Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. the devil are you it's thursday it's episode 82 of the podcast and we go to london and we meet the actor comedian and absolutely top top fella tom davis i think you're gonna really love it more of that in a second um i'm just out for a walk so i thought i'd combine the two things get ticks off my list i can't stop in on a day like this kind of on my day off so what is first on the agenda well a massive thank you to you for all the lovely messages about last week's episode with amy booth Steele. um she's incredible and i was really thrilled that she came on and it seems like a lot of you were too so thanks for that if you want to get in touch we're on all the social media platforms at two shot pod and we are two shot pod at gmail.com because that is where a lot of you have been sending your addresses why because I've got the big list and I'm sat down tomorrow, I hope it rains, and uh, I'm going to pop all the badges into envelopes. I'm going to send them out to you so they'll be with you in a few days. Obviously, if you're overseas, it's going to take a little bit longer, but they will be there. One more thing, also being there, will you be there on April 14th at the BFI? We are going to have a two-shot podcast live with the legend that is Mr. Richard E. Grant. I can't wait. And uh, there's some tickets available, so get on the BFI website and come down and join the conversation because the last sort of 15, 20 minutes, I'm going to throw questions out to the audience and you can ask Richard anything. Well, within reason, you know, keep, keep it sensible. Um, what else? Yes, that's it. Let's crack on. Episode 82, Tom Davis. Now, you are going to know Tom from all sorts of stuff. You'll know him from... The brilliant Murder and Success film was on BBC, uh, Action Team, which was on ITV. Uh, you may have seen him in Paddington too. I mean, you'll get to know a lot more about Tom from this episode, but I've known Tom for years, and he is a very, very good man. And it was a pleasure to sit down and talk with him. I'm really thrilled he came on. We've been talking about it for ages. So we made the time, and this is it. This is episode 82 of the Two Shot Podcast with the brilliant Tom Davis. And we start off talking about comedy. Enjoy, and I'll see you at the end. But that's, and that's the craft of it. And I think it's, it's a really misconstrued thing of, like, when you're watching, like, people use Curb as a massive, you know, a point of reference of going, oh, yeah, well, he's quite dislikable. But you know why. You, you you see, and also you see the frailties of his character. You see, like, and he always loses. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you're going to do a downtrodden character who's a bit pathetic and a bit of a loser, but in the end he wins, like some of us do have him, so to speak, or yeah. something like that, then you've got a sort of, oh, that's the journey. Every part of, like, crafting something is 
A to B, right? So you can start low and end up high, or you start high and end up low. That's just literally the, the most binary, smallest way that we write or that we, we could come in to read a script and go, well, I start here and I end there. Everything that we do. If you start somewhere and then just end in the same place and he de- learns nothing at all, then, then what are you? Do you know what I mean? What are you, what are you even watching as a viewer? And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I literally found it the most knowing as well of the talent that's out there uh, of young up and coming comedians. I found it, I was like, wow. And also, we we feel like we're in a really, you know, Derry Girls, Partridge, um, Fleabag. Fleabag, you know, Afterlife, I enjoy it. You know, you've got, you've got quite a lot of these shows that, you know, Jamie Dimitri doing staff. You've got shows that feel like constantly, you know, we're, you know, we're making great stuff, and we should be proud of it. And Staff's another example, a great Staff's example great, yeah, yeah. in that. Chewing yeah. gum, but also we, we're looking inside different cultures and different people and, and different different ways, and that we have an obligation to do that through comedy. And it is a weird thing that I'll, I'll talk about later, which sort of I think that the alignment of... When I was growing up, things like Blackadder, which was such high concept, mm. was all the rage. And now... And then drama was very, very much like, oh, this is, you know, a, a kitchen sink... Mike Lee, this is what we're doing. Now, drama's now become flight of fancy. You can go anywhere with it. But comedy now, this country, all of that stuff, it has to sort of be set in a reality that people can kind of jump on board with. And empathise yeah, with. Yeah, they want to know who they are within the scripts of things. That's another good example. This country, I mean, those two oh, characters, man. I mean, what complete... A kind of, if you saw them out in the street, you go, what horrible yeah. people. But because we know the oh, frailty mate. and the brittleness of them, we oh. kind of love them. I think Daisy's incredible. I think Charlie Cooper is the most underrated comedian in this country I mm. think he is how he's not won BAFTAs how he's like he to me he, I've, I've, I don't think I can't even think of another comedy actor that I've watched the number one which has been in awe of he's just an incredible every part of his physicality his performance how he can do empathy how he can do massive like comedy set pieces he can yeah he's just genuinely I, I, I just I, think he's a brilliant actor full he's, stop yeah, yeah he? he's, he's incredible mm. and and you know and, and and humble a lovely guy but yeah yeah so my, my thing with it, it feels with something like that that we're talking about it feels what are we doing what is this and also you know so when we started writing King Gary. The whole thing with King Gary is like, how do you make something that's BBC One, but then it feels accessible, but also has an edge to it? Yeah. Like, you know, for me to write that as a show has to feel like it comes from the place that I've grown up. I mean, yeah, I don't know how this... So when when that came up as well, there was... We got really amazing reviews, but people started using the review, reviews, like negative stuff like Chav. And, and I was like... We never ever check chav is a derogatory term for yeah. any working class or underclass of people that is like and it was never cancel- referenced in the show anyway uh, yeah no but we never even said a council house i know um and everyone everyone assumed it was from essex and it was just uh, you know ambiguous of like is it essex is it hertfordshire is it surrey is it sussex is it kent which is just suburbia london suburbia people are just a little bit out coming in and but people just always and i've had that since i started this job Everyone just assumes I'm from Essex because of what I talk, and I'm not. I'm not okay, no, um, well, let's talk about that. Let's go back. Let's talk about where you're from. Uh, I'm from, uh, well, sort of Croydon would be the sort of main main big town that you'd know. Uh, but it's just, just outside that, a little place like Sutton, which is where Phone Shop was, was done. And it's a well, sort it's of, funny enough, I was going to say about Tom Bennett's from Croydon. Yeah, well, there's quite a few of us. Yeah. Tom Baston's from there. Right. Um, Alan Mustafa, who's people just do nothing. Another great show. Um, so there's quite a few of us actually, weirdly. That come, but it's a really, it's a sort of Neil Maskell as well, and Kieran Hawkes, Matt Morgan. They're from sort of 
Dartford Brown. It, but it's from that sort of world that feels a million miles away from creativity. So it feels like what we're doing now and where I see myself now is like I. I so I to put in context, I was a, I was doing think scaffolding when I first met you. Yeah. So after Morgana show, yeah. Almost, do you know what I mean? So it's like. My, my that existence to then jump from there to here felt like no, that's never going to happen. Yeah, I, you know, I, n- I've no qualifications. You're so away from that. Yeah, world. yeah, that, yeah. That, that literally is yeah. another world. It's a literally a way of and people. I got rinsed so badly when I said I was going to do stand up comedy. What from people, who? People I work with. People were just literally on the site. Yeah, on the site in the pubs. People just was like, "What are you thinking, mate? You've got it all right." Yeah, and I and I will say as well that it's a weird thing of like when you come from and like uh, yeah, I was a scaffolder, I, I hog carrier, and I did a number of things. I should add that I was a bad scaffolder. I was not really cool one. I was still a labourer at like twenty eight. Um, I was a pretty woeful, like yeah. But um, but when I first got into television, everyone assumed that like I'd had this really rough, horrible, you know, like. Life was oh yeah you're on the bedline. You think well no actually I was a I was 16. I'd left school when when Blair got in and Britain was like London was the fastest growing city in the in the world. It yeah. was like you know couldn't move. For, I was earning half decent money. You know I was and obviously recessions came and we all got <laughs> our dicks bitten off. But um, <laughs> but but the point is it's sort of to to have the people just found it a weird thought that anyone coming from the environment that we came from could go and do something go, like that. You know, and you sort of. I think I've talked to a number of people, but I think like yeah. So when I say like, I, you know, I sometimes talk to people and go, "Oh, I had no real training," and I'm like, I, I, you know, and then you find out, oh, you was at drama school as a kid, or you know, I, I studied there. Or I, number one, I'd never done anything like that. I'd eat at a school play, I'd be a tree. Like literally, one school play, my job was to hold up. Some, from some of the set and I dropped it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who can do that we'll trust yeah. Tom with that yeah, he can yeah, do yeah. that he's a big lad <laughs> I mean he's six foot two <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, even at school people just assumed that I was was like a sort of dad that was hanging around with them. <laughs> I left about 25 um, but um, uh, so I had none of that and also I didn't really know anyone in the industry so it's quite a closed off thing um, what was the initial thought like when you were on the site that you went yeah, I'm going to try some stand-up. I think it was... I, I went to see uh, Mickey Flanagan. Uh, um, uh, he was doing a thing at the back... What was a backyard club there when Lee Hurst had it. And uh, I'd sort of... I'd grown up around going to see a lot of the sort of, you know, sort of like, you know, working men's clubs, Mike Reed, Epping for it, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and... Stat, you know, even though I, I'd never sort of agree with a lot of their content, stand-up had sort of become something that I, th- I think I didn't necessarily identify with. I didn't identify with some of the... Like, Lee Evans I'd love, but some of it felt quite middle-class and, and, yeah. and sort of... Well, you like, look at Lee Evans, and it, that goes back to sort of yeah, yeah. Howard Lloyd, Buster Keaton yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? And, and also so accessible across, like, every sort of generation. And that's that's what, you know, and, and we'll get on to this, I guess, a bit later, but how when you sort of start comedy, you want to be cool and you want to be edgy... You realise how you like. I I'll listen to people all day to slug off Mrs Brown's boys, and but I will say go and write an episode of it. Go and write something that can can get different generations sitting to, together on a Christmas. And Christmas also, the day. thing is, Brendan O'Carroll and all them yeah. lot were bumming around all the Mate, clubs in Ireland yeah, for years and years time. and years. And it's the thing that you have to sh- show some respect to it. But but yeah, so I'd, I'd seen Mickey Flanagan, and uh, and that was the first time I think I'd ever seen. 
and I remember him and then Ricky Grover and Joe Brand and I sort of discovered um, that sort of uh, that sort of those those guys who were sort of in and around comedy and but we were Mickey kind of was speaking to you yeah Mickey yeah. I, I just sat there watching Mickey in awe and thinking this is exactly what I, my life really you know it's sort of pretty much you know aside from you know him going to university and, and, and that sort of side of it it was that sort of that part yeah I could I could accessibly it, it sort of spoke to me so I and then I sort of thought well I I, I think I'd, I'd probably I was in a position where I'd done something I'd hated I'd never really found a calling in life I'd, I'd, I'd had you tried yeah I'd sort of I'd, I'd chefed for a bit I chefed I went to the Connaught and I did a year chefing and I just I just I thought like from 16 this can't be my life. I was like, you know, I've been on building sites, or most of them. I tried, I've, like, I worked for the RSPB for like a summer and got thrown out for uh, like fraud for like, there was a, there was a sweepstake uh, or whatever it was. First person who saw, I can't remember, it was like a blue finch come over the white cliffs of Dover or something. And whoever phoned in first got that, uh, got this uh, 250 quid. And I phoned my powers, like, look, the first phone call we get, I'm going to call, I'll text you straight after and you call in and then I'll make out as you and we'll just go out on a piss for the night. And then they, they found out because the person who'd seen it was going, no one could, I was the only person there. No one else could have seen that blue thing. So I got sacked off for, for nicking money off a, the charity, but I hate birds anyway. Um, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I tried other things. Yeah, not that I thought working for the RSPV would be a long time. I mean, that would have been the only thing worse than working for fucking, as a scaffolder. But, um, I'd sort of like got to a point where I was like, "Wow, this this I've done this for so long," and and you know I'd go through pretty silly as it sounds, you know, like the qualifications as a scaffolder, and then just thought I'd, people would just go, "Your art doesn't seem to be in like be into this," yeah. and you'd be like, "Mate, it's enough that I'm building my body to bring in it. Like I'm a fucking art, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like having to fucking lug stuff up, you know." And I, I, I wasn't, you know. I wasn't a particularly good scaffolder. Genuinely, like, I wasn't going to ever earn really good money as a scaffolder because I just, I just didn't care enough about it. So I literally, my whole job title was, like, if there was no work scaffolding, I'd go and do hog carrying. So I'd be lugging bricks around. Right. And I thought, at some point, I'm six foot seven, I'm already getting a backpack. <laughs> it's not a long-term <laughs> thing in being the guy who carries, like, heavy goods. I mean, uh, the you know, next stop was removals and then probably working as a man in a van, like, being the guy with, like, bringing, not even being the driver, just a guy with the, you know, as Mickey says, that's, you know, in his thing. So, oh, all those weightlifters belts, like, yeah. sort of round in red oils, going, oh, <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's a sad thing. We had a sofa delivered the other week and uh, there's a guy, he just had no... I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, bring it through. I was really excited about the sofa. And he was just so like, oh, yeah, yeah. well, you're just going to come through the back doors and all that. Sighing. And he had a white lifter belt on. <laughs> did he? They do. <laughs> yeah. And he just seemed, and I just sort of looked at him and I thought, oh, fucking hell. Like, I, I remember that feeling. And I, so I just thought, yo. I, so I think it was a, an air of probably what was depression. Like, now looking back at it, what was like... Uh, like I just was lost. I had nothing. You know, I and my my sister was quite academic. Uh, my mum and dad were, were were worried about me because I just I think their worry was that you know I, I drank. I, you know, my lifestyle was very much, and it had been all of my you know twenties. And it's like you know we talk about alcohol now and whatever, and I, I don't sort of drink anywhere near like that. But my, my lifestyle was pretty much you know get up you go for a fry up in the morning you bust your your ass for until four o'clock and then you'd be in a pub and that would be at least six days a week probably yeah. seven and that was just the, the culture that i was was from and the world that i was from 
and and then you sort of thought fucking hell man how much longer can I how many more times can I come down the pub and listen to the same shit the same the, stories the same, yeah by the same guys and also you know you talk to the older guys and you you know and I, you know, I work with uh, you know some incredible people I don't know this but like George Beasley and these amazing scaffold you know, great stories and great men I love them but you yeah. like you, you thought fuck like they, they care about this. Like, yeah. Imagine being sixty and and thinking I've just given I've if wasted I've not wasted I wouldn't make I wouldn't have made sixty. I don't you know because um, well, not know, with that lifestyle. No anyway. no no no. With my cholesterol as it is, Craig. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm on a plant based diet. I'm still fucking trying to keep it under control. Um, so yeah, so yeah, and it was weirdly I read. I don't know if you've read the um, Pamela Stevenson wrote a book with Billy Connolly. I haven't, but I know uh, what you mean. It's an incredible book, but there's a passage out of it, and I read it, my mum brought it for me for Christmas, and there was a bit in it, and I loved it, I was obsessed with Billy Connolly, because, again, he, you know, he was, he's from a very similar sort of, uh, similar background, I guess, in the fact that, you know, he went to work on the shipyards, that was just what you did when you came from there, and, and then, you know, because I'd, I'd still be on site, I'd be doing voices, taking the piss out of people, singing songs, and, and just, and I, I'd, sometimes people, I'd not do any work all day, People would just keep me around for morale. <laughs> you know, it, oh, I'll tell you. So I read this. This um, I read a uh, yeah, I read this book Billy, Billy Collin. There's this passage in it, and he's talking to an old guy who works on shipyards, and he says, "When are you going to go professional?" Is it like you know, as a musician? And Billy Collin's like, "I'll probably do it next year. I'm going to go push for it next year." And he's like, "You'll never do it because next year will be the year after, and the year after, and the year after, and, and you'll just put it off." Yeah, uh, and you need to do it now because there's nothing worse than being an old man sitting in a place like this thinking what could have been and I sort of read that and I thought wow that's and you know when you as silly as it sounds you read something and you think and it sort of carried that with me and so I just booked gigs but the, but the interesting thing was as how bad a scaffolding I was I, the first year I did Edinburgh I just said to the guy I was working with look I'm going to go and do Edinburgh I'm going to do a month up there see how it goes and he was like I'll try and cover for you and I came back a month later and no one on the phone knew I was, I was that bad <laughs> no one knew I was missing <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, I went to see like the, the, the boss and I was like, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give this stand-up thing a, a go, you know. Obviously, I've been up in Edinburgh and it's it's gone pretty well, actually. He's like, when were you in Edinburgh? And I was like, oh, you know, I was there. Like, I'm sorry, well, we, it's, like, oh, we've, it's been a great month. We've we've got more done. It was like literally jeopardising the fucking, you know, everyone there with how bad a scaffold I was. Um, so, yeah, you uh, and it was, but yeah, it, it, it was a jump of, I sort of and 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 weirdly, when I first you know because you were quite a big part of for my career and people that I knew because I didn't know anyone in the industry at all I had no friend you know it was a sort of I'd done Morgana show and and then from there I met Neil Maskell I'd met Neil a bit before and then we 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 lived together and yeah. then everyone I got to know was pretty much felt you know and I look now and I think fucking hell, what an amazing group of people but like those people felt like the people, the only people in the industry that felt like, well, oh, I come from these people. They understand me. That first night I met you, we were, mm. I think, we were together for two days. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Well, it's a knock-on effect, isn't it? You meet one person, you go, oh, that's like yeah, part yeah. of my kindred spirit. That yeah, bit yeah. tribe, that. Oh, and, the, and yeah, yeah. it's a domino effect. You start to ripple. Because I, I look at it now and think, wow, through, through that little crowd at that time and people were on their up and whatever, but it was like yourself and, and Martin Comston, Vicky McClure, Joe Hartley, Neil Maskell, Kieran Hawks, Matt Morgan, like Daniel, Danny Mays. It yeah. felt like, you know, wow, these, you know, everyone then was like on their way up. But also you felt like, wow, there is, I, I was really, I carried a bit of a chip on my shoulder. So, and especially in comedy in a sense, like, I was like, there doesn't feel to be the people that like, come from where I come from. And I, 
I'd make an assumption I wouldn't like someone because they would be posh. I'd be like, I'm not going to like them. Yeah. They, and that was my problem. I carried around that baggage with me. And then, um, and then you feel like, you, you know, you, I, I wrote a thing with a guy called Will Smith who's an incredible writer and a yeah, brilliant stand-up. And we, we spent two years together writing a thing for Channel 4 and, and I just fell in love with him. And I was like, wow, he, we come from such different places, but everything we, we love is the same. We like the same comedy, we like the same... You know, but that's yeah. the connection, isn't it? Yeah, it don't yeah, yeah. Really, you know, you get older and you go, it don't really matter where we're from. Yeah, that, yeah. that chippiness that... I know a lot of people... I used yeah. to have that as well. You yeah, go, no, I won't like that person. Yeah, Definitely yeah, yeah. not. And then you go, well, you connect over the shared love of a certain thing. Yeah. And that's where your relationship grows from. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, regardless yeah. of where you're from, fuck all that. That doesn't matter. No, no, no. Because you also realise that actually you move into a dynamic that's different. Like the, the world that you... The things that you have in common with people, it doesn't matter. Like, as silly as it sounds, you're all, you're all trying to get parts. You're all trying to get pilots made. You're, you know, trying to write stuff. You're trying to be creative. And be supportive of other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are- it's the thing that I've, I love the most now. And I've and actually, it's the thing that I've taken away from social media is that, like, it's so easy to be critical. Um, and, like, um, there's a guy called Jack Bales who works at Channel 4 now. And he's, like, one of the most important people in my Like, a great guy. He's an important person in my career. And he was, like, always trying to, trying to look for the positives in stuff. Like, and as silly as that sounds, it's so easy to watch a show. And, like, I know we've, we've talked about a certain show earlier and, and, you know, sometimes they don't have many redeeming quick, like, features. But even if you're sitting there watching going, oh, I don't know what this is for me. Why isn't it for you? Why don't you like it? So you have to have an argument. And don't put it on Twitter and say, this is awful, this is no, why I feel. No, no, no. Because it hurts. <sighs> it, I, I don't care what anyone says. And I've had this com- conversation with yourself like but like some like Romesh is one of my closest friends and you sit and chat to him and I, I've had it I had it with you know we did Murder and Successful we were very for, felt fortunate it didn't ever feel like because it was such a small cult show but it didn't ever feel like people liked it if they didn't like it if they weren't down with it they wouldn't watch it and then when Action Team came out it was like it did okay and it was alright but it felt like for the first time you're like people were, you know because you know we just won a BAFTA it yeah. was the first show after that it wasn't murder and successful it was something different it was a different sort of we came at a different angle for the first time you're like oh shit man I'm like going on Twitter and I'm, like, I'm walking around with my head down I feel like vilified. I feel like you know, and I it, I don't know if there's any training for that I don't you know and it is it I think people People, some stronger people, maybe, but people. I don't take it to heart. Don't don't let it rescue you. Like, how do you do that? I though? think everybody does take things like that yeah. to heart. I mean, I saw somebody, a very well-known comedian, tagged in somebody else. Oh no, it was an actor, quite a well-known actor, tagged in this really famous comedian who's now got this massive show on Netflix yeah. at the moment. Going, what's the first episode? Didn't really get it. What? Yeah, but why? why would you feel that you need to voice that yeah. and especially tag that person in? But I mean, I, mean, I think we both when we were talking, we we're talking about yeah. But I, I think, but why go on there? Because you want to be noticed. What do you want more followers from oh, there? Right. Well, you, but but my thing, I, but I so disagree with that. But I'm like, and this is the thing I, I find, uh, like now, uh, I'm fortunate. I'm busy, and I'm fortunate. But I work f- fucking hard at what I do. But I find people can sometimes get on me about that, and I'm like, I'm not on social media to to, to read people's tweets. I'm not on there to slang other people's work off. I'm not I'm not on Facebook on groups talking about how shit I think a show is. No, I'm not. You know, watching Instagram story, making Instagram stories about being. You know, I try and convey a positive, but also treat this like a job and treat it with respect. It you need to treat it. With, treat but that's with. what you need to treat. That's what certainly I try and tr- treat social media. Yeah, as yeah. When I went back on, it was purely because we were starting the podcast yeah, yeah. and between myself and the podcast, we can 
we can yeah. try and build. So I'm but, using it as a business tool. I'm but trying also, to do what you're doing really well is the positivity that you're now because you've the success of this podcast and the people you've had on it. What's lovely about what you're doing now is a, yourself. The podcast is you're pushing stuff to go. Oh, right, you might have liked this thing, but there's this thing here. So positively, you're creating conversation and you're making sure that people might have gone. Oh, right, yeah. So for example, you know, you, Jodie Combs is probably the biggest star and you know it's incredible Kennedy is one of the best things I've seen for so, so long yeah. but what you're doing is you're going alright well she's done this but also have you seen Derry Girls have you seen Staff have you, so you're starting conversation and that's the thing that we should be doing and if you don't like someone's work just don't talk about it don't you know, you know, talk about, talk about it talk about it at home or talk yeah, about yeah, it down yeah. the pub yeah but things like her, and look I'm not saying that we're solving things but we've got to just kind of try and there's enough negativity out there every day in the papers oh, all the time yeah, yeah. why do you want to add to it yeah. but you but, know where's that motive in you to add to that and it's but it's also it's like where are you in your life where your sole purpose is coming out on, online and going i'm going to tell this, this person what i think about them in I'm a gonna, really yeah. sad place yeah. i would imagine yeah yeah oh uh, yeah and it is but it's a sad state of affairs where you know but then weirdly you know i have like I have people that I, I grew up with and people that, uh, when I go back home and I go into a pub and someone will go, yeah, I saw you on that thing, I didn't think you were very good on that. And oh, yeah, like, yeah, You're yeah. like, all right, mate, cheers. Oh, yeah, yeah well, you know, it's maybe not, it's not for you. Yeah, I thought you were right on that other thing you did, but that thing was just terrible. And you're like, you know what, mate, fuck off. Always the, always, <laughs> you know, always the other one. Someone says something and the other person goes, didn't see it. <laughs> Don't watch it. Don't watch Tally. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, that's all right. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm not asking. I'm no, not but asking it's also her. they put it at your doorstep. That it's your fault. That they, <laughs> yeah. no, when I saw you on TV, I just threw it out the window. Fucking <laughs> like fifty-inch screen. I just smashed. the threw it in a fucking alley. Give a fuck. Threw it on a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go back to like that first stand-up? Yeah, and yeah. Because loads of people will know you as. As characters, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. really. Certainly, from most yeah. successful, or know you as that, even yeah. though the character was broken so many times yeah. during the filming. Which yeah. I think, see, I think those chinks now that people fucking yeah, love. Yeah, I think that. that was the accessibility of it. I yeah, think, of the show. But yes, so stand up was. How did you go about writing um, that? Did you think I'm going to be a character? Or I'm going to be myself. No, I thought it's, I'll be myself and I'll do voices. And I thought, you know what? It's um, so I did it. The first gig I did was in Camden above a pub and did it go well and yeah yeah it went alright I mean it was it was a weird thing of I had mates a few mates in the audience I think like, my first probably eight gigs were pretty alright they were okay they were pretty base when I look back at them now how, long, how long was the set five to ten minutes right. so I don't think it was but then I look at it now and I think like, you know I was you know I'd, I'd do ten minutes almost on like being tall and it was but then nothing that was groundbreaking and nothing that I'd go oh, I was really proud of that bit uh, and then did you feel confident that first time? No, I mean, like, ner even now, nerves rattle through me. Like, with stand because weirdly, so stand up, so, here's a, so when I started stand up, it was starting with a lot of the guys that are known, really known for it now, and they're incredible for it. But, uh, I, and I, I had no, I'd no, no expectations of ever being an actor. It was never something in my head going, I, I, also, I, I didn't come into this as a career. Like, that's the, the other thing about it. Like, I just thought if I can just have it, it's just enough. If I can every other week or every week just go on stage and actually talk about st life, you know, and, and and hear people laughing about that, even if I'm still scaffolding, which I did for a long time, and and you know that was a difference of, I think when I was seeing a lot of the other people, like you know I'd be up at four or five in the morning to then get to a site, and you know, but I was like you know, so, but so I thought, look, this is this is just enough to break the the 
normality of what I'm doing. Yeah. So I didn't come into it thinking, oh, all right, well, I'll get this, I'll get this, and it'll be, a, you know, it'll keep on growing. That happened organically. I think that was like, I was fortunate that I look a certain way. Um, <laughs> and there's always going to be like a big clown needed insane. Um, but at first, so I think like I, if I'm brutally honest with myself, I think like the first, I got by on a, a decent five, 10 minutes doing stuff. And then when it went up to 20 minutes, I got found out a bit a couple of times. And I realised that you've got really graft, you've got to really work hard. So then went back and when you I was, say sorry to interrupt, when you say you got found out, did you mean like from like a hackler or something? Because I know you you heck. deal with hecklers very well. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But that was the thing. If I dealt with them really, uh, I can I can go toe to toe. Because again, that's that's a part of our of my my my, yeah. my youth is like like Jesus. Like I remember like <laughs> I remember like going first work on a building site. And this guy just coming up to me and going, and I was 16, 15, 16. And this guy came up to me, he was about five foot six, and he just bowled up to me. And uh, and he was like 35. And he went, I know exactly how I'd fucking knock you out. What? <laughs> Sorry. All right, yeah. Oh, nice one. Yeah, right. Yeah. And he was like, um, yeah, yeah. I'd fucking just boot the back of your legs away and then it'd just smack you straight in the face. And you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Do you need tartan paint or any of that banter? Because this feels a little bit fucking on top. And then, like, uh, me turning around and saying, like, a song was played on the radio and me going, oh, I really like this song. And he just pushed the radio over and smashed it. And it was just like, he just, he, he had, had it in for me. So, and my dad saying to me, look, you're a lump, you're a big boy. So you, and you're not a particularly aggressive kind of guy. So you no. just, you're going to have to be quick witted. Yeah. Otherwise every day of your life is going to be an absolute fucking pile of shit. Yeah. Your people are just going to go in on you. So, so then the band, you start to go, right, well, okay, I'm just going to have to have a laugh. And you know what, if I can make other people laugh at him or at me, in this situation, if I can be, you know, if, if I can make myself the lowest common denominator by self, you know, yeah, deprecation. Exactly. Well, but also, if, then if I can hit him a couple of times with little zingers, yeah, you know, all of a sudden people are laughing and he, and he won't. And, and it, it's true. It's that, that having that sort of banter got me through. So, so when you start stand up and people are heckling, you're like, mate, you, you know, and also the first gigs as well, I should add that I, I did gigs that were in working men's clubs. I did those gigs for, for like football dues, rugby dues, um, like Christmas builders dues. Yeah. There were quite a lot of them early on, which were just sort of like, you know, chatting to people, few jokes, few stories about being on a building site. And, and they were like really raucous affairs. So I sort of thought that would be what, what stand up was. And, it, and there's, there's more to it. There's like, you know, you go and watch someone like Stuart Lee and you're like, fucking hell, Jesus Christ. There's so many levels this is working on. Or Daniel you know? Kitson. Yeah. yeah you're <laughs> you're like, I remember gigging with Kitson at the hob and just being like, oh my God. <laughs> you're a shoddy one. I always bang my head. <laughs> Kitson, like, this guy. We get it, mate. So you, yeah. So, so you're right. You go, all oh, right. And, and yeah, you'd get hecklers and I kind of sometimes, I sometimes went into a gig thinking if I get a heckler and I can own them for five, ten minutes. I haven't got to write nothing. That's going to do my, that's my yeah. job done for me, right? Um, but yeah, I, by, by, Did you but, sometimes wish for that. Yeah, yeah, man, like big time. <laughs> but then, so by getting found out, and I remember I was living with Neil at the time, and Neil would come to quite a few of my gigs, and he was like, they're so sporadic. They'd either be brilliant, like genuinely, like fucking wow, or they'd be like absolutely, like he, you'd see Neil creeping out of the back of the room. <laughs> He'd go to another pub to meet me after. <laughs> I can't be seen with you after that. Friendship. <laughs> but um, that scaffolder who was doing that, 
and then you do it's you, he's the school bully he's yeah, the oh, old yeah, school yeah, bully yeah. so then what do we do for the school bully I can't really knock him out because yeah, I'm no, not no. really equipped for that so no. I'm going to try and make everybody else laugh and too. also it's like you, you sort of realise that he's just making up for so much that like and it's an interesting thing and it, I guess is what we're going back to sort of like that social media stuff is like why why are you doing that like what gives you you a good feeling and you realise that he, he's coming out of his days in a broken marriage what happened it's to you yeah 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 what yeah, happened yeah, yeah. in your past what, you, what's going on right now and, and then you but then you can carry that with you you can carry that angst you can carry that feeling of dislike about someone who's had that and actually you know what that's the making of you because and it is it's a school of hard knocks thing I guess in a sense but my, I remember my, I was really bad at a lot of sport growing up, right? And I remember my dad like, coaching a football team and I'd be put in and we'd get smashed and all that. We'd get absolutely annihilated or boxing and get him like, wait, he's like, four <laughs> years younger than me. <laughs> Heard a bit of technique. And my dad was like that. But the metal that makes you is losing. You're going to learn nothing from winning. No. Yeah, nothing at all. You will learn to be arrogant and you'll learn to think it comes easy. Losing is... Ev- you, and that that is... Everything I've learned in this industry is pilots haven't got commissioned, shows that haven't really nailed it. That little nearly moment where you're like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be a lead in Game of Thrones. Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah. Um, someone else is coming. All those moments are the, are the things that have made me a stronger human being to get get, get where you are. So but Failure so, is absolutely key. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. But to, I think to everything in yeah. life, not just in, in what you do. Yeah. Everyday life failure. How you deal with it is, is, is the thing, you know? Absolutely. Some of the best things I've done... It's because I've failed and I've gone right. You can only go down so low, even though this is never about me. But <laughs> no, no, you know, you go down so low and you go, I've, I've really messed up here and I don't know what to do. But so I've got a build. You've got to build from that. But then I remember like drinking with you guys and yourself and talking about because I had no idea of what. Like I was very fortunate. I came in so so stand up was going well. Like started going well. I started working hard on it. But then I got picked up to do little sketches here and there. And then Morgana show came along. Yeah. And, and that was like the, the sort of changer. But then after Morgana show, it was like, I sort of had that weird thing of, number one, I was a, a shit kicker who had gone from this life into TV and I was on a Channel 4 show that was going out at nine o'clock at night. On were a you Friday made night. to feel that? Or was that the sort of baggage that you were carrying around? I was around? carrying it around, yeah, yeah. But also I thought like, also I had like tea, keys, like all of a sudden I was going to the fucking go out show and I'd be, you know, and I'd, you know, I'd sort of like never dreamt you'd be going to this. Yeah, you know, and that was when the, you know, for me Soho was like, Soho, right? Yeah. You know, I'd never, you know, I'd never even been to Soho. Like I've been to Leicester Square, I've been to the Westbones <laughs> and that. <laughs> no, but like my mates, if I went, "That's oh, so going to sew it up." Fucking hell, you're joking, and you're not going around here. You know what I mean? Like, sort of even coming, you know, getting out of Croydon was a fucking push. So, so all of a sudden you, you and you're like, "Wow, this is what life's going to be like." So I did, I did sort of three jobs back to back, and I thought, "Oh wow, this acting looks all right." And I'm like, I then sort of knew yourself, Neil, and Neil was like Neil Maskell would probably be in so many areas of my life one of the biggest inspirations I've had but also someone who taught me actually like about comedy about how to like handle yourself in this industry he's one of the biggest like yeah he's just an incredible guy yeah absolutely Um, and 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 his knowledge yeah mate like you know what when I first lived with Neil I've I've talked about this before I, I was like all I'd ever watched was like blockbusters. <laughs> no idea of any other cinema. Um, yeah, you know, I'd seen like Goodfellas and stuff, yeah. and then, you know, sit with Neil and watch Deer Hunter, and it, you know, it Dog Day Afternoon, and come and watch yeah. some Casavetti's. Yeah, no, come and be, sit down. Yeah. Would be like that. Would be, yeah. be like, right, yeah, let's get yourself in here. You know, let's give you. An, and you know what? A lot of that 
came what murder yeah there's a lot of that in sleet and murder is as silly as it sounds of darkness and the but yeah so so all of a sudden I, I sort of thought oh this is fucking easy this game and then I went through like a year where I couldn't buy a job like you know I remember talking to you about it talking fucking hell every audition I went to oh man it was just like I could either get really close yeah and, and someone would go he's not quite ready yet uh, and I probably wasn't looking back or I just I'm, I'm awful in auditions I'm terrible I don't know what you're like I'm awful I hate them what it's that constant thing again of right I've got to go and be judged again and I feel I, I, don't, I sort of tend to feel quite embarrassed at times yeah yeah but I'd never and, even had a job interview crap. My job interviews was, was walking up and going into a pub on a Friday and going, anyone got any work Monday? <laughs> I fucking wish actually was like that. Have you got anything going around, Bob? Can you yeah. imagine? Yeah. We need to anything change Stein? it. Any drama Stein Monday? Anything going around? <laughs> who was it? Who was yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. We need, uh, we need two blokes. One's a little bit, ra- yeah, raucous. Uh, you in the back. <laughs> <laughs> on the waterfront turnout. <laughs> going down at the seafront. Well, okay, yeah. Yeah, all right. Woman from a broken home. Anyone can do that. Um, so, uh, so I had no idea of how to learn lines. Like Neil taught me all this and, and learn lines and and uh, and sort of how to how to break down a character and how to do an audition. Neil taught me everything like for that. You know, he sat me down and he'd go through stuff and he'd help me out with auditions. And but man, yeah, I did like I hate. I did the worst. I did not. Do you remember there was a film that? Um, it was all about uh, Jesus's uh, Jesus when he died and he came back, all that stuff. And uh, there was a part of John the Baptist in that. And uh, it was the first drama audition I'd ever had. Right. Uh, I still haven't done a drama, so that's fine. <laughs> um, and uh, I went along to it, and uh, I'd really thought, you know, I'm going to go in quite hard with this thing, and I'm going to be as like <laughs> solemn as I can possibly be. And the part of it was like the back. I mean, I'm not sure how history, historically accurate it was, but John the Baptist had written the Lord's Prayer, and and uh, they were all sitting around a campfire. Right. And uh, the film got made. Joseph Fiennes in it. I've never watched it. And anyway, John the Butcher's basically for the first time. John the Butcher. Yeah, John the Butcher. That's, John, that's where John, you John went the wrong. Butcher, yeah, John, John the Baptist. John the Butcher's from <laughs> King Gary. I'm writing at the moment. We had to. Uh, yeah. So. Um, so he basically, for the first time, he reads out the Lord's Prayer. Like, he's like, you know, guys, I've got this thing. And uh, I'm, I, I can't remember the script exactly. But anyway, so I started reading it out. But I did it nervously, because that's what I wanted from the character. Like, yeah. I was reading it off a bit of paper in his hand. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, our father, um, out there in heaven. Hello, be that name. And uh, the director went, hey, hey, sorry, have you, have you forgotten the words? Have you forgotten the lines? So I went, no, 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 he's... I'm doing it like he's reading it off a bit of paper that he's got because obviously he doesn't know it off by heart. And he was like, "All right, okay, okay." Um, you seem kind of nervous. Are you okay? I was like, "No, no, he's nervous. It's a bit." That's not me. Yeah, yeah, it's a character. It's a character. It's a character. Let's but just get that clear. I feel it's a bit like you know the first time Elton John ever played your song, and he sat there. He goes, "I don't know if this is any good. <laughs> I'm just gonna just go with me." It gets so I've done it and the director starts laughing because I did that I went you know I just think it's like first time Uncle John or first did time did you Bruce, say that yeah I was, uh, first time Bruce Springsteen's ever gone like, you know this is a song it's about you know born in the USA I don't know if it's a little bit you know <laughs> nationalist like, just bear with me because it's actually you know it's against all that um, and uh, and he just started really laughing and then everyone for the rest of it I had to do another scene where I was talking to Jesus and it was just but throughout it people laughed and I was just really po-faced <laughs> And it's a, you know, and then I came out of it, and this massive sort of Swedish handsome guy went, "Is this a comedy?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, yeah." It's uh, got big laughs. It's like I'd prepared so much to be so solemn, and and, and just I found, I find them 
agonising. I find them such hard work. That is why I write stuff now. It's why I, like, I was going to say, was there a turning point where you went, I've just got to start creating my own work here? Yeah, because- but I, I, I did that from Morgana Show and from then we did a thing called The Warm Up Guy. I always thought, yeah. like, and also, you know what? It, there's a deeper thing in that I've, I realised really quickly that the parts I'd be getting offered would often be, I remember getting offered a thing really early on in my career and going in to meet someone and I won't name any names and then they were like uh, this guy you know this character he's like a builder he's a bit of a racist he's a bit of a dick you know like builders are yeah and I'm like what do you mean like builders are and he's like well you know like you know typical I was like what's your typical builder that's like a really you know that's pretty you know you're you're just basically sweeping a whole load of people under carpet and going what they're all that thing and that's nearly all my family yeah and you're just making a sweeping generalisation. So it was like either that or the idiot best friend or the... Do you know what I mean? And you sort of sat there and thought, oh, is that, is that all it's going to be? I'm not going to ever ha- have an opportunity probably to be a leading man in something unless I write it myself. And if unless I try and try and make it... And also make it different enough. Because we've got to remember, you're six foot seven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're a big, strong geezer. I, I, I gave up with James Bond a lot. <laughs> but people are going to put you into a yeah, certain yeah, category, yeah, 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 aren't they? But and And, and that, that happens across the field, right? I'm a believer that... And when Absolutely. we talk about auditions, I'm a believer that most of the part-time I go for an audition, they know who, who, who what I look like, who I am, and what I'm going to bring to the role. Now I'm at a level, as you are, that they've got a vague idea. It's going to take a hell of a thing for me to go in and sweep them away with something to the point where they go, oh, actually, we didn't think he'd be... They, and they've probably made their mind up, I think. And also, I've... I You know, I find... Because I, I now write stuff, I make stuff, it's very hard now to sit there when people come in and do auditions. Now, they're really difficult. Because you know what else when people go through. What, when you're on the other side of the table? Yeah, yeah I hate them. I don't want to sit in them. I find them really awkward. Um, do, do you not, then? I try... Do you know what? I, I, at first, I didn't. And now, now I do more because... I think that you try to show people the respect that you, you they've come in and that you want to have that conversation with them. And also, you know what it's like. Yeah, and you try and put them at rest. Because I, I don't know about you, I've, I've had awful times with, with some of the, the, the cast of directors that aren't, you know, incredible, where you sit there and they're on their phone and you're, they're, you know, they're coming. And also, when you're doing an audition, you want someone to be coming back at you with something that feels like, oh, right, right, okay, that's how it's going to be. And it's almost going to create the, 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 the feeling of the piece. Whereas if it's someone who's done 15 auditions before you... And they're just going, oh, yeah. that's bad, oh, bad, yeah. bad. And it's just like, it's Charlie yeah. Brown, isn't it? It's the school teacher yeah. Charlie Brown. It, yeah. it, it, it's it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. even words, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. nothing. It's, it's like, you, it's so that you walk out of there thinking, oh, I'm not going to get that. Because you, you replicate tone. You replicate how everyone works, you know. It it's all about you. listening and reacting yeah. and this is nothing because it's all one side and then yeah. you're doing quote unquote and if you're, you're doing acting a- and you look like a fucking idiot <laughs> and if you're doing a boring monotone character <laughs> and you're not and the, the person opposite you is meant to be really dynamic and crazy and then you're going <laughs> yeah and then but the person reading their lines is you're like fucking hell you know and also you take on their energy yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. when I'm doing this if I'm talking to somebody and we're talking about something nice and intimate and, yeah, yeah. Like this, and I take on their t- yeah. but if, now if we're enjoying ourselves yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, all it's like that yeah it's it's a bizarre thing. It's yeah. So so yeah. I tried to sit in on them. I think, but they're, they're but they're necessary, I guess. So when did you make a conscious effort and went? Do you know what? I'll still. Were you still doing stand up when and still doing yeah, auditions? Yeah. And then you went. I need to sort of create my own work. But like I, I'd done a thing called. I did a thing with uh, weirdly uh, the this Michael Michael Jackson uh, special with Keith Lowe, like uh, Avid Marion. 
and I'd played John Landis in it. And someone mm. at Channel 4 were like, who's this guy? And then I went and met Shane Allen. Yeah. Um, at Channel 4, and he was like, you know, I'd, I'd chat to him, and, and I'd, he'd think he'd, he saw some stand-up I did, and I was different enough that he was like, let's try it. And I'd done a bit of warm-up, so I had this idea about a warm-up guy. And wow, how, okay. how close you are to the... To the to the action of like I'd done warm up for like Graham Norton I'd done warm up for for a number of shows and you know, just I remember like halfway through a joke being cut off and <laughs> like you're just literally as a fluffer right you're just there and, and also you go oh I'm gonna try this bit of material oh, oh, oh no no material you know just go and ask Anne from Sheffield how she feels and how was like, the bus ride yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so primitive it's like you know it's like a plane exits and there and there and you're like fucking hell it's soul destroying did you find it soul destroying uh, do you know what. Not to, not to not to slag a job off because no, yeah, that, that was something leading yeah. you on up the ladder, wasn't it? it, it well, it's a weird, weird thing. I think there's people out there who are just incredible at, at it, and I actually learned some of the, the most important lessons I've learned in comedy doing it because all of a sudden, again, like I'm, I was saying earlier, you're not you're not playing out to like a cool, edgy crowd like who want to see sort of like you talk you know ripping apart some part of, you know you're playing to quite a, you know middle of the road crowd the very so, specific crowd they've yeah, come here they've yeah. got yeah. their tickets they yeah. want to see who's on graham norton yeah and, and, they, and you're if you're funny and if you can you know do that sort of like you know you can do the okie okay <laughs> well enough they, they'll know but they you go actually i'm gonna need a whole new routine here i mean need a load of jokes that that aren't effing and jeffing i'm, I'm gonna yeah. be so different so actually weirdly it sets you up, but but yeah. So I'd, I'd sort of sort of thought it, it's it's a quite a tra- and I sort of went out for a few drinks with quite a well known warm up guy, and I was like, his life was constantly on the peripheral of this could have happened. He could have he could have been Peter Kay. Peter Kay was a warm up. He could have yeah. done what O'Leary was. Yeah, you're just always, and he'd been there for years doing this. He sort of just been on the precipice precipice of something massive. Um, and I just found that really interesting. So, and so such sadness. Yeah, yeah. And that, I, I that love what if stuff. But I love that side of comedy. Is is and it, I love empathy. I like. I love that sort of side of like someone who's broken and just trying to hang. hang you know, that's what murder and successful was like. That was what sleep always was. It's yeah. a guy who was just holding it together enough. You know, in 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 both you know the show, but also his life just enough to, to get you through the well, half hour you know at the beginning we were talking about empathy and comedy and I think if you can't show that then how do you let the audience in I mean you know you were talking about uh, the Kirby enthusiasm before and we go well he's people think he's quite a likeable character and I remember one thing where Larry David was parked he was trying to park and there was one person parked over the line so yeah, therefore yeah. It's, like we've all been there yeah, 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 we yeah, can yeah. appreciate yeah, that yeah, yeah. you've got to give someone and also it's an important thing to say because we're sort of like you know like, I'll have people now say to me, and like, oh, I'm really funny. I want to get into writing scripts. I'm really this. I'm, you know, I'm really, I've, you know, I've, all my mates say I'm the funniest guy around. I don't think I was the funniest out of my group of mates. Is people are, you know, what I was is I looked at, I looked at all my frailties, and I think every great comedy performer that you can, you can probably list that you really rate most of the time they wouldn't say they're the best at something there. And actually, that's as actors in general. I, I think that's. The, the the best people I, I, I rate would look inside themselves and they'd find the frailties of, of something. And I think I know two or three people who who go, oh, I've, you know, almost slag off a lot of other, a lot of the people doing better than them. Number one, 
don't stag them off. Just concentrate on your race, mate. Yeah. Concentrate on on your track, what's in front of you. Don't worry about everyone else because if you start doing that, mate, you're just going to kill yourself. Well, it's that but, thing, you know, even as actors, sorry to cut you off, it's like the people look at somebody else's career yeah, yeah. and you go, well, don't, what are you doing? That, oh, crap, that, good for them. Yeah, yeah. But that's, as you say, that's not your race. No, no, no. Look at you. Here. You could come out of the, the left, you know, do like, you know someone I find inspiring, I find incredible, I love to, Davy Johns, right? David Johns is an amazing stand-up, yeah. right? David Johns and has been for years, yeah, years and years. Like one, of, and also may I say one of the most supportive guys when you're coming onto the circuit. David was always made time, gave you a lovely man. David Johns now is a film actor. He's a, yeah. a film actor of note. He's an incredible film actor. Incredible, right? right? David Johns wasn't walking around bitching everyone off. David Johns stuck to his. And now you look at him, you think, "Fucking good to you, good for you, mate." Salute to you for that. And that's the problem. And but but my point is, you don't you know you see all the best the best performers you, you if you you asked to do something where you got, you, you've got to find a little bit in yourself to sort of portray it if you can't look inside yourself and find those frailties you'll find those those the worst the worst side of you if you think you're amazing you're never going to be an incredible actor no go and be on the X Factor tell everyone how great you are because or go on yeah, social media yeah, and tell yeah, everybody yeah. how great you are and I, you know I've, I've you know lost sort of a friendship recently on the basis of someone who you just think the reason you can't be the thing that you want to be is because you you know you're not you're not prepared to look stupid you're not prepared to look disgusting you're not prepared to go that extra mile to break down yourself to be that thing and uh i think it's a it, yeah it's an interesting it's a thing that i get now and i get so much if on social media is like i'm the funniest guy and you think you're not like anyone like i say like if you sat with Ramesh who I think is probably one of the funniest people I know well, I should never sit, tell you that he's the funniest guy in the world no he, he's no but I see him all the time on social media supporting other oh, acts he's going, incredible this is one of the funniest but, shows I've yeah. seen get your tickets to go and yeah, see him yeah. he, but it's also any, that he, doesn't cost anything but you look inside yourself to go like yeah and I just think that's that's my I think you know my bugbear with it is is that sort of, I, I suppose it's those people sort of who yeah, I suppose it's that slagging off, isn't it? It's, it's people. I, I think it was just I was literally having a conversation this morning about this, <laughs> um, and I can't name the person because it would be fucking. I'll tell you after. Start tell me after. Yeah, um, uh, but would, uh, yeah. I mean, I'd like to. I'd like to throw him under a bus. But, uh, <laughs> There's many people, but if I did that, I wouldn't have a podcast. <laughs> well, I might. It might be highly successful. Let's try it, Tom. <laughs> really bitching people. But do you off. find that? Do you find that that, that comedy? I hate to use quote-unquote comedy world, do you find it's supportive? You know what? Because uh, I've worked off and on... Because I, you know, I've worked with loads of stand-up comedians yeah. over the years, and I've found them, apart from two or three, I've found them to be the nicest, warmest, yeah. humbling, I'd agree. shy, you know. I think that, at the, especially the generation that I came from, the, the group that I come from, yeah, like, like I think everyone... Like you know, last year when when uh, like when when we won the BAFTA, you know, it, I, everyone that I sort of gigged with, most most of them would uh, text or, or whatever DM. I think you know people. I want I you know I think we all want to see people do well. Yeah. There's enough. There's an you know Jesus. There's enough channels. There's enough. There's enough there's ways enough, that we yeah. There's enough you know, out there for yeah. everybody. Yeah, you know, and it, and I think as well you wanna you wanna work with great people, right? I think you wanna. Well, that's how yeah. you get better, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, failure, one, like, and also working with people that you think are better than yeah, you, yeah. so then you can learn off them. Right, and yeah, I mean, that, that like, you know, you mentioned Caryad, right? I've known Caryad, I did Caryad's pilot years ago, I've known Caryad, but Caryad coming on uh, Murder and Successful yeah. 
made me so much better to learn from Carrie Ad. Because, mate, I tell you, there's actresses out in this country who couldn't even lace up Carrie Adler's boots. Oh, who, she's who, incredible. She's isn't incredible. She? She's amazing. So funny. So, yeah. but so quick. Mm. So you know. But me, I mean, a nightmare for the director because me and Carrie ever in a scene together. It went on for literally sometimes two and a half hours. Did you have to? Did it when? Who was directing that? James Defront, who so does all you, my stuff. You know, James, did, yeah. I know James. Did James have to go? We've got to stop. No, it's been never, going on for no, too long. No, it was always up to me to end the scene. Always really? me to go like that. Because also, what he was there was amazing and understanding on that to go. I knew if we had the thing, if we had the moment, the, the pigeon in the, the, the pigeon, the bread, you know, yeah, that took two and a half hours to get to that point where we go, oh, fuck, now we've got that thing. And that happens after you learn slowly. Um, and, but there'd be scenes like me, I remember um, Carrie Ad will tell you, there was a scene, two scenes with Carrie Ad where we just, we just, it was like knocking your head against a brick wall. You're like, fuck, this is, this isn't going anywhere. Like me and her are like just trying to get everything out of that person yeah. and it's just not coming. But, yeah, so sometimes you, you just keep on going. And, yeah, we never call cut on that show because it would always just be, right, as soon as we walk out of the scene or we walk to the next bit of the scene. Because it was all improvised, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, no, yeah, there was a... You, you have your sort of A to B points about yeah, where you needed it was, to go. it was improvised enough that we knew what the beats were and there were some lines that you cherry-picked, but you could never script it just on a basis that you never knew what was coming. Deborah Meadham would be completely different than you knew which was a yeah. brilliant episode yeah, and Mike Kemp was completely you know <laughs> people were different than, than so you had you couldn't you, it couldn't be scripted you had to think on your feet you, you never to. rehearsed with, with the other actors in it before yeah the, yeah we, we, oh, we'd did. run through beats so we'd run through different scenarios but it always go different you know the bit you know the, the scene I remember Mike was Deborah Meaden and Carrie Ad when Carrie Ad was Sean sh- sh- Cole and uh, <laughs> Sean Tweedy whatever she's called now and uh and Deborah was just like interrogating Carrie Ad for real, like genuinely. Where were you at this time? <laughs> Went on for so long, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, well anyway, I slipped over some dog poo earlier. Just shut up, you idiot!" Like, right? You know how well do you know this man who's been killed? It was like it was a real like, inter- you know, and it, it was like fucking line of duty shit. <laughs> you know, like, All right, Deborah, take a chill pill. And Carrie Ad just thought on her feet, and it was just yeah, she's fucking yeah. She's remarkable, man. Yeah. She's a real talent. Did you feel a need to change after the success of Murder and Success? When you say, right, I'm going to put that to bed now, I want to do something different. Um, I mean, I think I can say now, and I think it's the first time I've probably ever said it anywhere, is that it's sort of done really now, like, I think. I think that BAFTA was like, you know, we'd done three years of it. It was like the most amazing journey. It was the most amazing thing to have been a part of. Something that was so different. And, and I literally, I'd, my whole career rests upon it. But It really was. There was nothing like and, it, was yeah, there? Yeah, and it was, you know, it's, it's people have sold it to America now and it's and so they can do their thing. But for me anyway, I just thought, you know what? That last series had three amazing, incredible moments. Like, you know, it's episodes and, two that were brilliant but they weren't, they weren't maybe as good as could have been and, and people knew kind of you're like you don't want to be doing four and five and it starts to creak and you start you know you start not loving it yeah how he or healed. regurgitating the old yeah, stuff yeah yeah the like, same stuff every year people go oh you're going to do the, uh, the the Jamie Lang thing again when you're in his ear and you're making up stuff and we never did it again and, and so you know and, and then you know I, and I I guess everyone says it. I, I really didn't expect to win to win the BAFTA I, I literally I didn't think it would be us in a million years I thought it was too weird and I thought you know we probably missed our opportunity to, to it was our first nomination but so so it was like yeah I, I thought after that I thought we could we could do another one but 
it, will it be as good? Yeah. You know, uh, to have made, what, 18 yeah. episodes or something to a level that I'm proud of and to have won... Uh, every series we won awards for it. And that that's enough. I have to move on. And also as an actor... I can only be taken so seriously as to a certain level as being that. As much as that character is not me, as much as it's a character, and as much as it's a well thought out world, and I'm thinking on my feet and improvising, I don't think it necessarily was respected and probably rightly so in certain circles as being like that's. So as an actor, I have to hit now scripted because after that, I was, I, you think, oh right, well this show's doing really well. I'm going to be getting like things falling on my lap yeah and scripts it's a you know it's a comedy show that's working and that didn't really happen i think people just thought i was opposed to script i was the improvising guy i couldn't do scripted stuff and scripted stuff is i've done enough of to yeah. know how it works uh and 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 so yeah so my next the next step was right you know action team but also king gary which is, has been buzzing along for for quite a long time and just making that right and getting that right because that's the one thing out of everything that i'll ever do that is the most important for me because it's my life. It is, you know, and, and that's when, when, when it came out and people were like, well, these feel like cartoon characters or this feels like this. And I was, you know, and it, it was to be, you know, I'm, I'm be, this is where I'm taking it personally because it was, you know, really what reviewed well and it went down well. But I was like, these aren't cartoon characters. Come and have a fucking drink with my dad. Like, I come and down <laughs> yeah. the pub with my mate Rudgley and they're, they're not cartoon characters. These are real people, mate. Um, so yeah, that that that's the thing. Yeah, yeah and you, I think you've got to test yourself, right? You you can't. You, that's why you, you know, cities. It's I'd like to do drama. I'd like to do stuff where you could push yourself. I was fortunate. I worked with Bob Hoskins early in my career. First film that I ever did. Um, did yeah, yeah. What was that? It's a thing called uh, the Final Furlong or something. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I did like a week with him, and he was. You uh, I learned enough in that week about like your choices you make and the things that you do and like how incredible he was like and, and like it's a weird thing actually because it's hard because I listened to this show so I listened to when Jody was talking about, about it but I was I remember sitting on the table with Bob Hoskins telling us anecdotes about uh, films that he'd been on and they were incredible and then I just looked around and all the cast were just making notes like 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 signing into Facebook <laughs> not listening going uh, just sat on the yeah. table with Bob Hoskins and <laughs> Bob and trying to Twitter like selfie like yeah, at you know, Bob's like what the fuck is going on um, but yeah those choices you make and how you push yourself to do different stuff uh, you know that's important like like you, you, you man like comedy you, you turn your hat to comedy drama you, you want to try and do as much and, and it keeps this game interesting right theatre let me mm. throw my dick in that <laughs> back in the casting session at the pub <laughs> <laughs> but do you do you feel now or maybe now let's go back after you sort of won the BAFTA and you were riding high and it's really nice successful was there still part of Tom that you felt that you were still sort of oh do you still think I'm a bit of a shit kicker you don't really respect the show as well as you um, did even though you're giving me the awards do you think there's still that Slight imposter syndrome. Yeah, I, 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 uh, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't question myself all the time because I think I have to. I think all of us do. I think, yeah. you know, I think if I, well, and, I don't think it's healthy if we don't. No, and do you know what? The, the this is a bizarre thing. When I won, when we won, like the Rio Ferdinand won for his the documentary you did about his, his late wife, which yeah. was incredible. And, and the first person I saw after 
and one was Rio and I started chatting to him and I'm a big West Ham fan a big football fan and he said enjoy that but enjoy it for a little time and then put it up somewhere and that's what you do as footballers Ferguson always said as a footballer like for two footballers you know enjoy the Champions League but we're going to go again next year and I think that's the thing it's like take, put that put that there and that's there and that's great and, and that'll always be there but I have to keep questioning myself and I, and also like like you know, I look at myself no one as you said earlier everyone would know me as a character actor and an actor as a, not as a stand up that gripes me if I'm honest I'd like to have a punt at being a stand up I'd like to push myself back into that world do you think you would go back and try yeah I've, I've gone back I did the comedy store the other week and I've done a couple of bits and bobs and yeah cause it's, it's so cause, funny because I, I was thinking about you the other day and I, when I was watching all sorts of comedies you popping in my head as I said at the beginning, because loads of people will go, do you when you were doing the the Kardashian sketches yeah, 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 with yeah, Lady yeah, Francis, yeah, yeah. people go, who's that geezer, who's yeah, that fella? Yeah. And people won't know that you were no. grafting doing all that stand-up for, for no, a long no. time. No, no, I think people think I'm I'm an actor-actor, and that's not the case. And so stand-up was... And, and like I say, I've, I, I, I have questions about myself, like, like, okay, right, let's just do a scripted comedy, King Gary or whatever that may be. I need to push myself into that and, and, and prove to people I could do that. I need to prove to myself that I can. And I think that's the thing that I, you know, it, it, I, if you'd ever told me that I'd, I'd have won a BAFTA, like, you know, even a month before it happened, I'd have, t- you know, that's amazing. But I'd, I think I never thought that I'd ever be an actor as a living. I never thought any of this would happen. So I have to keep pushing myself because there was a time in my life that just doing one gig a week was enough yeah and then that grew and every part of it grew so I think you know I have to constantly push myself to do that and that's why I started a production that I wanted to start a production company I wanted a like number one I wanted I wanted to give a place I got really stung a couple of times as a writer in what way not being paid for scripts or treatments And uh, yeah, that shouldn't be, happen. I think it's the worst. It's the lowest of the low that uh, that still happens in our industry when when writers and creators aren't treated well. And then the, you hear about an executive producer getting a downstairs swimming pool in his ass, and that it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing for this industry? We all know this industry is not what it was. We all know that we're you know we should you know creators should be getting their, their due diligence, and they, they're the people, they're the voices that we're going to listen to. They're the, the things we're going to watch. So, and and then you you hear about a geezer who's just doing this. So anyway. My thing was right. Let's set up somewhere where hopefully we can we can get the voices that aren't being heard, and we can get new up and coming people. But we can also pay them fairly. We we've got a budget that we can go right, well, go away and write that, and I think that's important. And that was the thing for me is like I'm sort of in so to speak through the gates now. Yeah, but I have to make sure that other people can, can who who wouldn't necessarily be heard or who might not be the norm who might not have been at Footlights, who might not have, have got all of this, this stuff behind them, who just might be a, you know, a guy or a girl who's just got a story. Because you know, we all have. And I think that's, that's the thing that's important to me now, is forcing that through. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about right at the beginning, about the quality of uh, amazing comedy that's coming through yeah. at the moment. I mean, of course, you know, Partridge has been there, he's got yeah, a yeah, legacy. Yeah. But then you look at someone like Charlie and Daisy oh, May Cooper, who struggled for ages to yeah. try and get their voices heard. But and all of a sudden... People just do nothing, man. You just, oh, ex- I'm working another with those, prime example. I'm working with those guys, we're doing a thing at the moment, we're working together, which is... It's, do you know what that's like? You sit in a room and it's a few of us together working on a thing and writing and... None of us have got a background in this. None of us got, have got any right. But then you think, well, we've got the awards, we've got the accolades, and and but that's a proof 
that any you know don't get me wrong because there's a talent behind it and there's hard work behind it but if you want something enough and you think you know you should we should all we should you know that we have a problem you know i'm not saying this is a salt the thing that solves it but we have a problem with people giving up on themselves kids giving up themselves at 13 14 from from working class environments and 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 they've given up because people have given up on them yeah and there's not the, the there's not the back in there to go actually you know what you could do this 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 i think if i'm on it speaking honestly i think teachers and the world probably gave up on me when i was 13 12 or 13 because i wasn't academic I, I was dyslexic i didn't pay attention in class I was, you know, all those things that I wasn't good at at school. Weirdly, now what my job is now, but I was never told that this was an avenue that I could walk down. And and I think that's the thing that's important. It's like, you know, I, there's, I do, I've worked with into film quite a lot, and you see kids who, are, you know, in that same predicament. And it, you know, and what else are you going to do? Like, if you, if you're if if you're in a class and there's people clever in you, you're going to rebel, yeah. and that's why we we start having a problem. I'm not saying this is a thing that solves it, but we can't give up on the youth, our youth, and that's that's through sport, that's through, you know, being creative, working in the industries that we do. We have to try and make that accessible. And uh, yeah, I think that. Yeah, I, I certainly think I've got a due diligence, and, and most of us have to try and try and portray that. Especially when there's less creative avenues, and they're being taken away from any but, city schools. All but the also, time. it's like I, I, I want you know, as a kid, I wanted to be blackout. I wanted to be you know, I, I watched these shows and and Del Boy and, and and all that. You know, I want I had aspirations that if I was going to do something, or stand up, you know, Chappelle like that. I know. I mean, it is the support of the youngsters. I mean, I had a. A, a young lad on Twitter last night actually I was going to bed so I couldn't reply I was really tired and he said oh I've just done this audition tape can I send it you will you have a look at it for me I understand if you can't and I went you know he said it was a minute I went fuck why yeah of course I'm going to look at yeah. it why not and I looked at it and it was good and I gave him a couple of notes and he's gone back and sorted it. Oh, sweet. Man. See, that's lovely, right? He's only 16. That's lovely though, right? Well, yeah. Why well, can't you? I mean, we talk about you know how unhealthy social media is. Yeah, yeah, that. but that's, but like, if that's a great just, side that's, to it. That's a great side to yeah, it. Yeah. So, there is so many positives sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, yeah. And that is, but we need to look at it. I guess you're never going to get rid of it. That's social media, that's what it is, you know. And, but this yeah, but is that's a, life. Yeah. You're never going to get rid of yeah, all yeah, yeah, the shit, yeah, are you? You're older than everyone. I'm old enough to remember life. Mate, we've, the world's never going to run out of dickheads. They're always going <laughs> to find, you know, you're always going to find a way to have a voice, you know, whether it's a geezer on a building site or it's a knobhead in a pub. They're always going to be there, yeah. You know, and it's Twitter's just given them a little bit more of a platform. But the truth of the matter is, they've been there since fucking Jesus was knocking about. You know, <laughs> you know, you know if you fucking hell, he's sitting there going, "Fucking, hell, I've got a little five or six it's dickheads just, right around right. Yeah, it's just our job to sort of filter them out. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it's just a little bit harder now because they've got a voice, but they're always going to be there. Yeah, and it's how you live your life. How how can you go? How can you portray a positive mindset? How can you like? How can you? Look around you and, and, and try and keep smiling. Through. Yeah, and you're right. The world's shit. The world's really hard at the moment. But it's always fucking had its issues. It's always we've always gone through stuff. Yeah. You know, as long as you can create something, it's escapism. As long as you can make something, I think that people can watch and, and far far forget that, and and you can conduct yourself in a way that hopefully, uh, you know, brings a smile. There's a great bit of David Brent. I know David Brent was an idiot. It was one of my favourite things of David Brent was. Uh, when uh, he says, oh, you know, I want to be in a place where someone else is going to be walking down a road and they'll see me across the road and they'll point to whoever they're with and go, oh, there's David Brent. He's all right. It's a laugh. It's one of my favourite things because actually 
as much as, and it's one of the greatest comedy creations of all time, but man, that, that's what we all want, right? We yeah. all want to be liked. That's what, you know, hopefully. Pretty much. Yeah. Tom Davis. Craig Big Fox. love. Thank you so much for Thank you for on. having me. You enjoy it. I loved every minute. I, yeah. I just went on some rants. No, it's so good. I was like, what am I doing? I'm not even uh, talking about acting. I loved thank it. You. Thank you so much for thank coming you for on, having me, man. It was gorgeous. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bless you. And another episode is done. What about her? I hope you agree. Um, I know what you're thinking. You're probably going, well, Craig and Tom, they're old mates. They see each other all the time. I hadn't seen Tom for ages. Um, we've been texting and that, you know, trying to get dates for him to come on the podcast. So to like to spend the full hour with him going through it um, was an absolute pleasure and I loved it. So, Tom, if you're listening, thank you so much for coming down. He's officially the only person that's been on the podcast that's taller than me. I hope you enjoy the photos. Um, what else? I've got to say thank you to you. I do. Because you're here. And... Do you, look, do you know how many podcasts are out there now? No, I don't either, but like, there's a lot in there. There's loads. Everybody's doing a podcast. So for you to stick with us week in, week out, spread the word, tell other people, it really means the world to us. You know it does. So thank you for choosing us and sticking with us. Um, well, that's it. I'm going to finish my walk. I'm going to finish my sandwich ham if you must know with a bit of salad and uh, and i'm gonna get back and uh, send this off to producer griff so look thanks so much for joining us and next week is episode 83 we're ever closer to the episode 100 mark someone give me some ideas i don't know what to do what should we do should we throw it open to you the listener right Pick a guest and I'll see if I can get them on. Don't let, you know, let your imagination run wild to a certain extent. Um, my means of uh, connection with people, are, yeah, you know, they're quite limited, but we'll see. I've got some amazing guests coming up. I'm so excited for you to hear. Um, so, look, until next week, have a good week. Do what you need to do to look after yourself and let's keep the conversation going. Until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson, he's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. We'll see you next week. You take care. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Cheers.